Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Thank you. It's such an honor to to be here this evening uh, and it's such a blessing to always share the word of God with our spiritual family. And uh, as Michael mentioned earlier, I, I preached the word last week at uh, the local fellowship and we've been on a theme uh, entitled Making Room for God. And the assignment for all those who, who came to share around this theme was basically to, to bring our interpretation, our understanding, um, whatever the Lord has laid on our hearts to, to help the church better understand what it means to make a room for God. And I must say, when Michael asked me first to bring the word, um, the first blessing that I received is that I already had half the sermon written because a few weeks before that, God had laid on my heart to, to begin just noting a few things and, and putting together a sermon, even though I didn't have any appointment to preach. Um, I wasn't sure what the word was or who the word was going to be aimed at. Um, but when the call came, uh, the Lord said to me, this is the one uh, and this is the message that you need to adapt for that Sunday. So uh, the theme indeed for this evening then is making a room for God. Uh, and just the subtitle is making a room through godly living. Uh, I'm going to, to kick us off with the scripture from Second Peter chapter 1, uh, reading from verse 3 and 4. If you want to turn this, so Second Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 3 and 4 uh, from the New Living Translation. And the word says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Amen. I quite like the, the end of that portion where it says to share his divine nature because we as believers often look to the promises of God as something that we claim for ourselves in order to receive something. Um, but when we that if that is all that we've come to do with the promises of God, we we fall far short of the reason why he's given us promises. The word says that we are it enables us to share his divine nature. So the promises of God are not just for us to receive things from him, but it's also his way of claiming us as his own, as his children. Uh, just as any parent would promise a child something, on, from the child's perspective, it's in order that they may receive something. But from the parent's perspective, it means that I'm giving you a promise because you are mine. And because I love you, I'm able to do this for you. And so in the same way, uh, I believe we, we need to anticipate and expect the promises of God 
to work in that dynamic way, us believing God for whatever we need, but also recognizing that through his promises, we share his divine nature. The life of faith must always be inspired by continued awe and wonder. Um, a few weeks ago, Michael used the word, a sense of adventure. And I believe as, as Christians, as born again believers, we must anticipate that God always wants more from us. He always wants to reveal more of himself to us. And he certainly is capable of more. And in this season, I believe God is calling our attention and wanting to make us understand that he wants us to live with a greater expression of faith, with the gifts that he has blessed us with. We are often so satisfied with our own faith experiences that we come to a point where we want nothing more of God. And it's then common for believers to desire a peaceful life framed by previous experiences in the spirit as a point of reference. And we'll often say things like, remember all those years when God blessed us? Or remember 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years ago when God did this in my life? And God is calling us in this season to sit up and pay attention and say, well, what is the spirit saying to us as a family, as an extended spiritual family right here, right now? What is fresh from the heart of God that he wants to do in us and through us? And so in this season, uh, I believe that God is calling us higher. Uh, he's desiring more room to express himself in us and through us. Now, for some of us, he's looking for a major shift. For others, he's looking to make slight adjustments to our daily routines. But for all of us, indeed, there is the opportunity to see and experience the mighty influence of his kingdom in greater dimensions. I'd say this, that there are gifts, abilities, resources, and hearts that must be reinvigorated by the fresh winds of the spirit so that our families and our communities can be impacted. He wants to have preeminence at a greater level in order to use us as agents of change. God is so dynamic in his working and his grace is so amazing that when he touches our lives, it is incumbent upon us as the believer to respond to that grace or it will be of no effect. God doesn't force he doesn't push. Uh, he, he certainly doesn't take us by the ear and get us to do certain tasks. But in our key scripture tonight, we see that God has made provision for us to live the life of faith with greater anticipation and intensity. Uh, God is calling us higher. God is calling us to more. God is calling us to not resign as believers and say, well, look what the Lord has done. I've tasted and I've seen that he's good. Uh, and now I can just rest. God is calling us as the church to live lives of high impact so that our families and our communities can be changed. How do we do that though? Uh, that is the, the key question of this message and that is what I'm going to address in our time this evening. Uh, but first, what does it mean to be godly? To be godly is to live reverently and obediently toward God. To be godly is to work and live in harmony with the word of God for his praise and his glory. 
In 1 Timothy 4 verse 8, the word says, bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. Jesus coming to earth lived as a godly man because of his intimacy with the Father, and he desires the same for us. If we cultivate our intimacy with him, we begin to develop his mind. And that harmony and that godly mind are the hallmarks of the godly life. It's been about 20 years now since I've come to know the Lord as a young man in varsity, trying to find my place in life, trying to find purpose, trying to find meaning. And for me as a young colored man growing up on the Cape Flats with literally all the odds stacked against us, I could see from an early age that there was something different, something unique about my upbringing and unique about my family life, something that I didn't see in the lives of my friends and even other family members. And that was that I've always known the love of a father. I've always known what it was like to be loved and cared for by a father who was present, who was there to direct us as a family, who was there to motivate and inspire, and certainly who was there to discipline. When I came to know the Lord 20 years ago, it was that natural, just knowing what the father is, that was supercharged by the grace of God. And I came into a deep revelation of what it means to experience the love of God, the love of our Father God. I have always known that there's a call on my life and in every ministry that I've been part of since the time, and, and I've done youth ministry and, and young adults, and as Michael said, I had a fully functioning ministry at the time that I came to Alpha and Omega. I would notice a trend in that I would always be the only person in the room who knew the love of a natural father. Everybody else would always come to our ministry and I'd say 95% of people would always come to our ministry not knowing the love of a father, not having that experience, the earthly experience of being directed by a dad. And so when I came to know the Lord and when I stepped into the ministry and when I began to function, uh, in the gifts that God has blessed me with, I began to understand that knowing the love of God, knowing the love of him as a father, having the direction of spiritual fathers and having the impact of natural fathers is one of the highest forms of grace that God has ever blessed this earth with. Fatherly love is what supercharges the grace of God in order for our gifts and our resources to function well. In John chapter 17, verse 21, it says that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe you have sent me. It was the cry and the prayer of Jesus, Jesus who went to the cross for you and I, that you and I may be one with the Father, united with him, having his mind, his nature. And Peter comes tonight in that letter and he says, this has been made possible for you by the promises of God. The Bible sets a standard for us. The Bible invites us into certain dynamics of the kingdom. And it's the grace of God 
the direction of the spiritual fathers and those around us that will supercharge that grace and lead us into victory and being directed according to God's plan and purpose. I want to share uh, five elements of what it means to live a godly life. Um, these are by far not all the elements of living a godly life, but these are the ones that have blessed me uh, and in preparing for the message that we are speaking about in the local fellowship, uh, I felt that this, these are the things that I wanted to share with the body of Christ. Uh, and the first element is to seek first the kingdom. We often hear this and we, we know the familiar scripture in Matthew 6.33 that says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And I think we often look at the, all these things as just the natural resources that uh, the, this text speaks about, the what we should eat and what we should wear and what we should drink. And, and th yet again, that is certainly part of what God wants us to enjoy. Uh, but if we just stop short of, you know, how can God bless me in the everyday things that I need, the what to wear, what to, what to eat, what to drink, all those kinds of things, we kind of stop short of the completeness of what he wants to do in our lives. And while the believer must never be ignorant about anything that touches his life, the kingdom and the influence of the kingdom must always be our priority. The kingdom stimulates God-inspired influence over everything else we do. For you and I as a believer, we are to live responsibly. We are to take care of our affairs. We need to be responsible with what we eat and drink and what we wear. But it is from the point, the departure point for us is the influence of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is what inspires us to live the life that God has called us to. And so in further helping us understand this verse, uh, I'd say it is almost irresponsible, or, or he doesn't say to be irresponsible about what to eat and drink and wear. He says, be mindful, but may the kingdom of God lead you into making decisions. Uh, excellence in the matters of life is evidence that you are living the kingdom life. Uh, you, you cannot say that if I ignore what I eat and drink, and if I ignore my affairs, it means that I'm first seeking the kingdom of God. That, that is not what the scripture teaches. The scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be touched and will be ministered to by the influence of what you are seeking. And so Jesus was basically saying that the greatest concern of life is to place our relationship with God first and everything else second. The second element of living a godly life is to keep it moving and express your faith in love. In Psalm 37, verse 23 to 24, again in the New Living Translation, uh, the word says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of our lives. And though they, in other words, the godly stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. And I'd say this, you make room for God as you go. God has nothing for anybody who's come to the point of folding their arms and saying, let life have its way with me and I'll see what tomorrow holds. In the simple everyday things, there's opportunity to allow his love and power to go to work through us. If you recall David's assignment in 1 Samuel chapter 17, 
the word there says for 40 days every morning and evening the philistine champions strutted in front of the israelite army one day jesse said to david take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain see how your brothers are doing and bring back a report David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. And so we, we know this familiar picture. Uh, David's brothers were out, they were fighting, they were on the battlefield. Uh, David's dad said to him, take this meal, take whatever we have prepared here, package it, take it to the battlefield, take it to your brothers, see how they are doing and bring back the report. That was the assignment. That is what David needed to do. There was nothing else for him to do. But in his obedience and in his faith, in his love for his father and in following the direction of his father, he said, I will do exactly that. And as he kept it moving, his faith had been building up and being stirred when he saw what was actually happening, what his brothers were getting up to. Fast forward to verse 48 of this chapter. And the verse is, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone. He held it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. What David was doing here is was he kept it moving. He didn't complain about the menial task of packaging and delivering food to his brothers. He didn't get upset or get annoyed or irritated with the simple task that just about anybody else could have done. His father could have just sent a servant. His father could have just, you know, arranged for somebody else to do it. And David could have said no. But the faith that he had that I'm going to that battlefield, I'm going to do what my dad is asking me to do. Uh, and on the way there, I'm going to do it with the right attitude. And this is a picture for us to understand and to, to develop and implement in our lives that in the menial things, the everyday mundane things of life, there is still room for the power of the spirit to move. Because as you keep it moving and as you express your faith in love, when you get to the bigger battles, it is the same God and the same grace and the same faith that is going to help you overcome. If David didn't have food package delivery faith, he would not have had giant slaying faith. So he kept it moving. He kept it going. He kept putting, kept putting his trust in the Lord. And when the moment came, when it was time for him to step up, he was there ready, calling on the name of his God and saying, I'm activating my faith. This giant is no match for me because I am covered and I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I have all the testimonies of how God has delivered me time and time again. And yet this is another moment for me to express my faith in the living God. And so in the same way, we need to make up our minds that God can use us at any time, anywhere. But we need to keep things moving. We need to keep it going. We need to keep expressing our faith in love. It's God's desire for us to become an answer to prayer for the people around us. God wants to use us in our workplace, in our family, in our communities. And in us understanding what it means to make a room for God, this is a principle that is already at play in the kingdom because when God wanted us to enter into his kingdom, when he wanted to make a room for us, he 
he expressed himself with love. He had the greatest expression of love by offering his son, Jesus Christ, for us. So that expression of faith and making room for God is always going to look like something. Something has always got to give. There's going to be sacrifice. There's going to be renewed obedience. There needs to be renewed anticipation that God wants to do something in my life. Because he made the first move in making room. It was God who took the first step. Imagine that if God only had it in his heart that he wants to save mankind and whatever was in his heart never found expression. Imagine he had never expressed true desire for us through the birth and the life and death of Jesus Christ. Imagine if he had just kept it to himself and said, it is really in my heart to do the best for my children, but I'm not going to show any expression. And in the same way, God looks to you and I as believers and he says, I'm looking for expression of your faith. I'm looking for you to show me what love looks like with the, the gifts and the resources that I've given you. So let's take initiative and don't fear or be anxious about the outcome. The third element of making room for God through godly living is the ministry of the Spirit. Oftentimes as believers, we, we try to separate the ministry of the Spirit from all the other aspects of our faith. Um, many believers aim to, to live a godly life separate from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we hold on to religion uh, that gives us the impression um, that God is real, that he's moving. But what we are really after is just the appearance. The Bible speaks about having a form of godliness but separate from the power of God. 2 Timothy 3 verse 5. We, we need to be mindful, church, as, as we put our gifts to practice, as we stir up the gifts, as we look to make a room for God, as we seek to grow closer to him, as we aim to find greater expression for the things of God, that we cannot do it without the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so we are to continually create the habit of inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives. Our continual attitude must in fact be one of whatever I'm doing, wherever I am, I invite the ministry of the Holy Spirit in. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the reviving life from our risen Lord. And so it's a critical discipline of the Christian life to allow the Holy Spirit to bring us into absolute harmony with the teaching of Jesus. Remember when Jesus promised the Spirit, one of the things that he said was, it is the Spirit who will remind you of the things. And how often do we need reminding? How often do we need for our minds to be called to attention where the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of the Word of God, need to find its place in our lives? The fourth element is to participate in the corporate anointing. And number one, of course, is through prayer and worship uh, and also to receive wise counsel. Spiritual oversight exists for exactly this type of thing. Whatever the house is busy with, whatever the ministry and the oversight is busy with, is where you and I, as the members, need to be positioned. Uh, there's no need for us to look outside of the house for spiritual development or spiritual transformation. For us, and, for, and this is how I've come to understand it in the local fellowship and in terms of the, the oversight, 
that there's a deep well of wisdom and resources that will enable me to express my faith. As mentioned earlier, I came to Alpha and Omega with a ministry that was already up and running. But I could only take those people to a certain point. I could, as somebody, a lone minister, was just trying to help people, praying for them, speaking the word, teaching the word of God. I could only take them so far. There was a limit on the amount of stuff that I could impart to them. If I did not align myself and bring that ministry undercover, I would have set those people up for great destruction and myself included. And the spirit that showed me this and led me towards seeking for oversight, not to have a title, not to continue in the way that I was doing, but to submit and then anticipate and receive what the spirit was saying to me and then to stir up the gifts in a different way so that I could go further. And what a blessing it's been over the past 11 years. So many don't benefit from the blessing of a spiritual family uh, because they choose to receive what the spiritual oversight is doing as visitors. So many people don't throw roots in a local fellowship. They don't align with the leadership. They don't submit to what the house is doing. And so they only receive a visitor's blessing, whereas God is looking for them to receive what is given them as members of the family. The visitors who come to your house will receive certain things. They will receive certain elements of, of what's going on in your house. But the true blessing of your house is reserved for those who are residents, for those who live there, it's for the family. They can find expression. They can do whatever it is they need to do to be refreshed and to be empowered to serve, to, to work and to live everyday life. So visitors never really get to the point where they realize their place in the biblical concept of iron sharpening iron. Iron clashing with iron is a very noisy, cringeworthy experience. It's a harsh process at first until a rhythm begins to develop. And that same rhythm needs to develop in our lives as the church of God as we relate to our oversight and as we submit to the counsel uh, of those who God has placed over us. When I came to Alpha and Omega 11 years ago, I came with really just about nothing. I wasn't working at the time. There was nothing going on in terms of business. Um, and I, I often share this testimony that a few months before that, I got engaged to Chantal early in November, the 2nd of November, the year before. And it was lovely and we got engaged. And, you know, the very next day I step into the office with that delight and that joy in my heart. And I get handed a letter to say that you've now been retrenched. So imagine not even 24 hours after the engagement, after now having to make plans for a wedding and setting ourselves up for marriage, uh, I get handed a letter to say there's no more work for you. But God whispered a word to me to say, you do not change the plans. You don't change direction. You stick to it and you follow through all the way. A year later, Chantal and I got married. We had a beautiful wedding. Everything was catered for. Everything was paid for. And we didn't owe anybody anything after the fact. The grace of God, when it touches your life, it supercharges what is already placed on the inside of you. Amen. Your and my gifts can never be exercised or cultivated in isolation. What God has placed on the inside of us exists for somebody else in the family. Um, 
you may think you, you have a gift uh, or you may you may have a need and, and nobody in the house is actually ready to help you or they are not able to, to assist you with your issue, but you won't really know until you ask, until you have those awkward conversations and you come and you say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is a promise and an assurance that the Lord gave to me many years ago. And he said, someone in the house can always help. And I found this to be absolutely true all the time. If somebody in the house is not able to assist you directly, they can point you in the right direction. And that's one of the major blessings that I've received at Alpha and Omega, not just for myself, but when I've seen other people step up and ask for something or ask when they are in need, there's always somebody that's ready to assist. So being aligned and throwing roots in the local fellowship is super important for godly living. And then the fifth element of living the godly life is to continuously stir up the gifts. Second Timothy 1 verse 6 is, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The gift is already on the inside of you. It just needs to be stirred up. And you stir up that gift by keeping it moving, keeping the expressions going. As I said earlier, God has nothing for anybody who wants to fold their arms and say, look how blessed I am and not continue to express their faith. And yes, you will make mistakes. And yes, it will be awkward. And yes, you will have moments where you're not sure whether this is your gift and you'll be challenged and there'll be resistance, but we've got to keep it moving. And you've got to, as the Bible said about David, he encouraged himself in the Lord. We don't always have to look for the words of assurance from other people. We need to learn as mature believers to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Uh, and, and that concept has really been such a blessing to me. And then expect God to move. Expect God to do something. Expect him as you make changes, as you make a room for him. Look out for the moments that God wants to do something in your life. And know and understand that he is waiting for us to act. He is waiting for us to do something. I'll just close off with a simple verse from John 13, 17. And this comes after Jesus goes through the experience and the teaching and the significance of the washing of the feet. And he says to the disciples, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And that is what I want to leave you with. Blessed are you if you do them. We cannot continue to receive powerful teaching after powerful teaching and just be blessed by it in the moment. The word says tonight, blessed are you if you do them. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.